Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. Today, Anna and Lewis are chatting again with Representative Earl Blumenauer, a House Democrat from Oregon and one of the preeminent voices in the legalization movement. He's represented Oregon as a congressman for more than 20 years, a state where voters first legalized medical marijuana back in 1998, becoming one of the very first states to do so. Oregon made history again in 2012 when its voters legalized adult use cannabis. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now onto our conversation with Ann Lewis and Representative Earl Blumenauer. Hi, Ann. Hi, Lewis. It's so good to see you. It is. An, it's, I love this technology. It's pretty fucking amazing. And this is now the second interview that we've done video. Um, the first was Kevin Smith. And now we've gotten to speak with Congressman Earl Blumenauer. And this is that reverse time thing that we do where we talk about what we're going to talk about after we've already talked about it. Yeah, it's weird. And if two dummies like us can get video working, <laughs> I mean, like the world is our oyster. And I feel like, especially after that conversation, um, why can't the Senate figure out remote voting? They can. They just don't want to. And I, I think know that they don't want to. And just it's just frustrating. It, it, it is amazing to me uh, that this is the second time you and I have gotten to speak with Congressman Earl Blumenauer. Last week we spoke with Kevin Smith. I've interviewed Mike Tyson. It blows me away the doors that this, what we're doing has opened for you and I to speak mm -hmm. to unbelievable people. You know, it, it's truly a gift, I think, to do this podcast. And it's been, uh, I, you know, my time with, with you is fantastic. The, the prep that we do for this, I love. I actually love researching the guests. Oh, I, love I had the a conversations. blast on this one. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, I didn't do some of my work that I was supposed to be doing this week, but um, whatever. We'll catch up. And I mean, this is really, it's special. It feels special. It feels different. It feels needed. Um, and it mm -hmm. feels like we're making a difference. So, um, yeah. And I also like, I like the it. video side of this, so we'll try more of this when when it fits. When it we'll fit, hey, hey, you know what? The interaction with Kevin was pretty amazing. Yeah, the yeah, interaction yeah. with the congressman was great. Um, you know, God forbid I put on makeup once a week, <laughs> and I'm wearing jeans. I'm wearing cargo shorts. I'm wearing jeans. But I want to be respectful. Hey, by the way, oh, nice. we have Green Rush, Green Rush swag. So if anybody wants this, Merch. we can make it for you. Merch. So I, this is our. This is a really cool hoodie that uh, my wife Melissa. It's actually designed. the perfect material too. It's not too heavy. It's not too light. Yeah. It's magical. And then we also have a, a baseball raglan jersey, um, which I'll wear for the next one, um, and you guys too. can see that. So all right, um, now. It's on to our conversation with uh, Congressman Earl Blumenauer, Democrat from Oregon. Congressman, 
thank you so much for joining us again. We truly appreciate it. And it's nice this time to actually be able to see your face. Um, we're, we've just started doing video as well as audio, and we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Happy to do it. Where are you? Are you in D.C.? Are you in Oregon? Like after our last votes, uh, I, I came back uh, to Portland. If I'm going to be uh, sheltering in place, I would much rather do it uh, uh, having my uh, conference calls wandering through northeast Portland uh, <laughs> as opposed to being trapped in D.C. I, I don't blame you. Portland is an amazing city. And it's a much better place to be than 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 back in the swamp. Well, uh, I, I like Washington, but I'd much rather be uh, in my hometown. That's for sure. Don't blame you there. Um, well, again, you know, you were on our, our number 50 show back in October of 2018. And while the world has completely changed from them from that time, the world of cannabis is kind of staying the same. And if anything, the COVID-19 outbreak has only proven that cannabis is indeed essential, um, yet they're not really being afforded the same benefits like the Paycheck Protection Program um, as other businesses are. And you've recently introduced legislation to make the cannabis businesses eligible uh, for the next round of the SBA COVID-19 loans. Can you give us the latest on that, Bill? Yeah, well, what we, what we did, and it was interesting, we had almost three dozen people join us uh, and we had uh, bipartisan leadership, uh, uh, Congressman Young and McClintock, um, because there's sort of a discrepancy uh, across the country. State legal cannabis enterprises have, have been deemed essential. Um, and unfortunately, they have been left out of all of the opportunities that we have with uh, the federal government. Uh, to be able to help these small businesses. Uh, so we wanted to put that uh, very clearly uh, on the radar screen. Uh, we had uh, about three dozen members of Congress who joined us. It's, uh, it's not going to be part of this next package, but we thought it was really, really important to be able to demonstrate uh, the impact that, that uh, the cannabis industries had, uh, the fact that they have legitimate interests that uh, should be addressed, and the fact that uh, we're looking at a, a sector that is rapidly growing. It's an opportunity for uh, employment to be maintained. In fact, in parts of the country, as you know, um, actual business went up uh, during this uh, horrific time. Mm -hmm. um, and at a time when we're watching the revenue picture for state and local governments deteriorate by the minute, the taxes that are generated by legal cannabis enterprises uh, can play a critical role. It's over $2 billion. And in this next year, there's an opportunity for more. Um, so we thought it was important to put it in the spotlight, uh, to engage people to be part of that uh, effort with us, uh, and mm -hmm. to um, uh, keep it uh, uh, keep it in the uh, in the public eye. Along the line of of taxes, um, you know, cannabis companies, as you said, are among the few businesses that are actually pumping revenue into state, municipal, and even federal coffers because of two eighty e. 
they still don't have the ability to bank properly. They're, they're still unbelievably restricted. What's going on with the, the SAFE Act in the Senate? I mean, can, can our friends in the, uh, the deliberative body actually walk and chew gum at the same time, or are they just, I don't know what the hell they're doing, sir. Well, it is, uh, it's vexing, uh, I will say. <laughs> uh, uh, and candidly, the, uh, the Senate uh, has uh, just kind of swallowed up uh, important uh, legislation that the House has passed from the beginning. Uh, and it's frustrating for us. And a lot of that legislation that uh, the Senate refused to move on was bipartisan. And virtually mm-hmm. all of it was bipartisan. Uh, one of the best examples, as you know, is our Safe Banking Act. Uh, that uh, was a result of just monumental efforts. And I'm uh, so pleased for the partnership with uh, Ed Perlmutter, Danny Heck, uh, just sort of staying with it. Uh, and we had an outstanding vote in the House, 327 or 323 votes in favor of it, about, uh, you know, about three to one. Um, and every Democrat except one voted for it. Uh, and about 40 percent of the Republicans. It was a very strong bipartisan vote. Um, that's been languishing uh, in uh, Moscow Mitch's. <laughs> Oh, thank you. you Don't just get him started, please, you Congressman. Got me and, and our producer, <laughs> Shay Gunther. Like, we love you for that, sir. Okay. Uh, but uh, it is it is teed up and ready to go. There's been some, you know, discussion in the Senate. Um, but we gave them a piece of legislation that has overwhelming bipartisan support. And we've carefully built... Uh, the base passed the cannabis industry. You know, two of the more powerful voices were the credit unions uh, and the bankers. You know, these are kind of button-town uh, men and women. They're not uh, radical. Uh, they're not always the most popular, but uh, <laughs> uh, particularly the the credit unions have wide uh, popular support, um, and the the bankers. Uh, were very uh, helpful uh, in making the case that this is an issue of public safety. It's convenience. It allows the businesses to operate. It's easier and better for the financial institutions yeah. to not have to uh, deal with uh, uncertain cash. <laughs> extra cost. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is, uh, and it's there. It's uh, uh, we have six more months realistically, uh, where legislation can be considered. And then uh, there is very likely to be a session after the election, after the election. Hmm. Uh, And that is a time, historically, uh, that we've had pretty good luck being able to graft legislation on other vehicles that are moving. Boy, you think Donald Trump will sign anything progressive if he loses? I mean, I I can't imagine. I, I don't know that it matters. I don't know that it matters. This is something that uh, Trump uh, was was not top of mind with him. Uh, he was sort of, uh, I won't say trapped, but he, he kind of got uh, locked into a position uh, on camera in Colorado 
before the election, where he made it clear that he thought, you know, the states ought to be able to do what the states wanted to do. And I actually think that's that's his mindset. I don't think this is an issue that you're giving uh, him credit for having a mindset, sir. <laughs> now, that's me saying that, not you. I wouldn't put those words yeah, into your mouth. No, I, I don't think this is uh, a major policy issue with mm-hmm. Donald Trump. I think it would be kind of live, let live. I think uh, he probably has a number of people that he knows who are active in this space. Um, but I, I think if we are able to break it loose, uh, it, it won't even need his signature. I mean, it will pass in the Senate and in the House by a veto-proof margin. What we need to do is get it moving. So things are, uh, to say the very least, unsettled right now. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'm coming back next week to vote or the week after that or the week after that. Does it worry you to actually have to fly back in in the world the way it is today and to be in D.C. and, you know, would that would that would you be concerned for your own physical health? Well, it's it's probably not the wisest thing if we were in any other set of circumstances uh, for people to consider bringing 435 people from every corner (laughs) of the country through airports. There are virtually no direct flights anymore to Washington, D.C. So they're hopping off in airports across the country, um, uh, exposing (laughs) our staff uh, and family members to... It's probably something that you wouldn't advise people to do. Uh, I've done it. Uh, it was uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, we had a, you know, a big piece of legislation that we wanted to pass and the Republicans insisted uh, on uh, doing it in person, which they can. Uh, but it, it, it took literally three days for me to fly on virtually empty airplanes, with one exception, uh, through uh, zombie airports. Um, And then when I got to D.C., I had to rent a car because I'm not exactly going to be on the, you know, the metro or uh, some uh, taxi or Uber uh, lift uh, to sanitize. So this was uh, a very elaborate procedure to get there. Uh, And then I spent an entire day, uh, I had a one-minute speech on the floor, and people were scattered all over the great big chamber, so nobody was within 10 or 12 feet of one another, filing in differently. And when we actually voted, uh, putting our card, uh, we we entered the chamber in uh, small groups, so it took five hours to cast two votes um, and then repeat the procedure, you know, going home. So it's, it's not probably optimal, um, but if, if that's necessary. I mean, there are people uh, who, are, who are exposing themselves every day to stock uh, grocery shelves, uh, people who are working in hospitals, uh, people who are 
providing maintenance in nursing homes. Um, so no, it's not optimal, but there are lots of Americans who uh, are uh, putting uh, their health on the line every day. Including report, people who work in the cannabis industry, you know, the ones who are working in the dispensaries, who are delivering, you know, it's, it, you know, this is an essential service. There's no question about it. And we've talked about this before, but uh, one of the things that I am so pleased that we've been able to have people in Congress appreciate is that this product is really an essential service. It is fundamental. There are people, I can't tell you how many hundreds of people I've talked to who explain how access to medical cannabis has saved their life or the life of a loved one or uh, a son who was in the service, uh, a, a daughter with PTSD uh, or with uh, extreme nausea from chemotherapy. I mean, this is absolutely essential for hundreds of thousands of people every month. It also, uh, candidly, is an economic generator. Um, as we've talked that sales have remained strong. In some cases, they went up. People want the product. They'll pay for it. There are a, almost a quarter million people who are working in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. These are people who are not on unemployment. And one of the things that uh, you've helped us uh, spotlight is how responsible the industry has, has been, whether you're talking about small uh, mom-and-pop operations uh, in street corners or you're talking about larger uh, business models. Uh, they treat their employees well. Many of them are paid... Uh, uh, much higher than uh, average wages. They, many of them get full benefits, good working conditions. And because in the cannabis industry, the standards have been so high, yep. people are actually safer. It's, yeah, that are, that's what our clients are saying, that this is among, you know, the safest spaces you can be, especially like, you know, if you're if you're in the, a greenhouse or if you're at like the, the, the safety protocols and even the safety protocols I'm in in Los Angeles in, in the different dispensaries, um, you know, I feel safer going in there than I do Ralph's. <laughs> and, you know, it's it, they take it very seriously. It's not a joke to them. And, you know, it, it's become this weird joke, you know, on social media. Like I can get, you know, weed down the street, but I I have to like, you know, see my hairdresser in a back alley. And it's like, well, two different things. Well, like, uh, you, sh you should. I mean, it is safer yeah. uh, to be in the yeah. or to work in the facilities that are producing product. Absolutely. Do, do you think that, that this is really a transformational time for the cannabis industry now that it is considered essential? Um, it's so hard to put the genie back in the bottle, you know, once something is deemed essential during a global pandemic, right? So, and public supports on the side of cannabis, um, or do you see this, you know, as a blip in history so that when, when you know, this is all over, we're going to go back to the same old crazy rules and regulations and web of, of, you know, state by state, like, what do you, how do you see this moment in time for the future of the cannabis industry? Well, I'm treating it as a unique opportunity. Uh, and that depends on what we do. Mm -hmm. It's, it's why, even though it, it wasn't going to be in the next round of recovery legislation, why we work so hard to make the case uh, 
and to get dozens of people to sign on board and why I've given, I don't know, 500,000 interviews. I mean, we wanted, we wanted Thank people you. to focus. Well, not, not all as elaborate and as insightful as you, uh, uh, but it's important uh, because this is an inflection point. In part, it goes far beyond cannabis. I mean, we've never seen anything like this set of circumstances ever. I mean, we're watching the biggest economic problem since the Great Depression. This is horrible. And it's it, we are all going to suffer from COVID traumatic stress disorder. You know, there the mental impact that this is going to have on people is going to be seen for decades. Um, but, but let me just I'm going to just follow through why I think it is so essential. It's not just that the economy is in free fall. Uh, and we've seen job losses unlike any we've seen since 1933. Franklin Roosevelt in 1933 didn't have to deal with the Spanish flu at the same time. The country had 10, 11 years to recover. We didn't have a pandemic then. Uh, and it was Franklin Roosevelt in the White House, not Huey Long, without Huey Long's uh, intellect. Well, I was going to say his charming characteristics and, and better instincts. I mean, he was a he was a demagogue. Uh, he was uh, power hungry, uh, but he did things for the people, uh, and he had a certain charm about him. Uh, this guy, uh, not so much. Um, and the country, in the depths of the Great Depression, uh, Franklin Roosevelt was able to to bring people together. He had a base of political support, uh, unlike what we see now with the deep divisions uh, and Donald Trump deliberately trying to divide the country and doing things that uh, just set people off. So we have greater economic problems, greater social problems, greater political problems. Um, and that is the opportunity because we can't continue doing what we're doing now. We're going to have to invest Heavily. We've spent four trillion dollars, four trillion dollars in a matter of weeks. Um, we're changing policies. Uh, there was, you know, four months ago, uh, access to quality child care and paid family sick leave. Those those were controversial issues. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think they're so controversial now. Mm -hmm. And and I think there's a there's an economic, a political and a social opportunity. And I think uh, people in this cannabis space have been pioneering efforts uh, running against the odds. You know, we didn't have much help politically uh, for the last six or seven years. These are things that we worked mm -hmm. with grassroots advocates, with the industry, with some enlightened people, and uh, not so much with the political elite. Um, this is a moment to be able to broaden the base and to be able to make endearing, enduring reforms. So we, well, I don't know, I, I'm talking too much. Uh, no, no this, you're not. Well, no, this is, this and, is and this actually, important. it's almost like you read our scripts. But, you know, we <laughs> we, we looked into, you know, the history of prohibition. Um, and, you know, it, 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 it while it didn't, you know, help. Right you know, turn the economy totally, it was credited with helping fund some of the New Deal initiatives. Um, and it was, you know, people just 
like, like to your point about like childcare and, and healthcare, like those issues just, you know, are, are, are highlighted as how are we not already doing this? Um, so well, do, do you think that, you know, this is going to, do you think that argument will resonate with your Republican colleagues when you talk about things like jobs and taxes? I think it will, but, but to your point, the repeal of prohibition uh, in in a heartbeat. It was yep. the, the quickest constitutional amendment ever ratified. Uh, and it, it made such a difference. It brought an industry out of the shadows. It started paying taxes legally rather than, mm-hmm. you know, bribes and under the table payments and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and fueling the criminal enterprise. Uh, it took a while. It took a long time to recover from it. Uh, but there's a very powerful parallel. Well, and I, I, I yeah, I, not to cut you off, but I was also, I also read that it was the state of Utah that, that took them over the edge. And it was like, once you've lost the Mormons who don't drink, <laughs> you know, you've really lost your, your argument here. So, um, you know, I, I, I see it as a, a positive thing and, and a good message for the industry in general. Absolutely. And I think this is our opportunity this year uh, to navigate the politics. Don't get, we don't, I don't want to get hung up. Uh, I have very strong feelings uh, that I want my team to be in charge of the Senate. I, I want somebody else in the White House. Thank you very much. Uh, but these are things that we can navigate and we can build bipartisan support. I'm looking forward to work that we will do on the state level, both legislatively uh, and perhaps some initiatives that will ripen. Uh, This is a climate that I think will be uniquely receptive to the messages that we've been carrying across the country for the last 10 years. Uh, The public agrees with us. Uh, The support continues to build the examples of success. Um, I think there's, uh, there's an opportunity for us to make huge strides in state-level legalization through the legislative process and the initiative. Our mutual friend, Adam Smith, from the Craft Cannabis uh, Coalition in Oregon, uh, he and I have a bet about um, interstate commerce. He thinks that it gets done next year. Somehow, some way, he thinks that even before COVID and in light of COVID, that there's a good chance that, you know, the compact between Oregon, Washington, and California will somehow spur other states to allow for the transport of of cannabis in between states. Do you think that's even possible or? I mean, I think that people are encouraged to look at some big picture issues differently. I think there is a political tide and I'm spending uh, my spare time uh, trying to encourage that tide, trying to encourage candidates for the House and the Senate to understand how powerful this issue is. Mm -hmm. And we're going to continue to be active in this space. I've got my little cannabis fund. I'm going to, when I help candidates, uh, they don't get a, they don't get a campaign contribution from me without understanding uh, the, the power of the issue of modernizing uh, uh, and repealing the, chaos, the failed prohibition of cannabis. 
Um, I think that there's a growing interest and strength um, and and dealing with things like the interstate compact. I mean, we've talked before about how the world is changing. We have the potential for a consolidated North American cannabis free trade area with what's happened in Canada and in Mexico and what is happening in most of America right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we can harmonize uh, and equalize supply and distribution there's opportunities for marketing, for strengthening uh, cannabis enterprises, large and small, for craft cannabis. Um, I think research. there's medical uh, research. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, our, our, our friends up at MAPS uh, are funding research with the, the VA on using cannabis and cannabinoids for PTSD. I mean, it's, it, it's absurd that this issue, especially on the way it can be used for treating veterans um, for pain, opioid addiction, that the right hasn't embraced this the same way that they have amazingly embraced psychedelics. But we'll talk about psychedelics some other time. Because we, well, we have, but we're, but we're, we're gaining momentum there. Uh, and we did get uh, legislation uh, that has left the, the Veterans Committee uh, to deal uh, with veterans access to cannabis. Uh, we've got, uh, we've had a, a fascinating hearing on the research aspect. And then something we haven't talked about yet, but I think is a signal accomplishment is the Moore Act. Uh, we've been working with Judiciary Chairman Jerry Nadler, somebody who's been working in this. He's the only other person I know who uh, was working on this in the 70s. As a legislator, uh, New York decriminalized in 1979, and Jerry was part of that leadership. He assigned two outstanding members of the Judiciary Committee uh, staff. And remember, the Judiciary Committee's had a lot going on uh, this last year. But they've, they've come we up We almost with, got them. We almost <laughs> got them. They came up with a, a really superb piece of legislation that passed out of committee with bipartisan support and is teed up uh, for uh, house action when we hopefully get back to normal. Do you want to talk politics now? I mean, presidential politics now? It seems like you have um, sparred with your friend Joe Biden, who is now the uh, the Democratic nominee on this issue. Presumptive. Pre sorry, presumptive nominee. Um, what do you think a Biden administration would do for cannabis? Do you think he's there? Uh, well, uh, you should know that uh, this is something that we have shared with Team Biden in the past, uh, <laughs> yeah. how this was an, an opportunity for him. But bear in mind, he was part of the Obama administration that gave the Cole Memo guidance and basically did not interfere with state legal cannabis activities. Uh, they were much more accommodating. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was back when the issue was uh, maybe not quite as clear cut. I think that Vice President Biden would be at least as accommodating and probably more uh, than we had with the Obama administration. He was part of that. He knew and respected those folks. And I think it is 
it is almost a settled issue at this point. Yeah, but don't you think that by by Vice President Biden not embracing this issue, he is giving President Trump an opportunity to wedge. If Trump just came in and said, in my next administration, I promise whether he'll do it or not to legalize weed, he'll go left. He'll, I mean, it will, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Why isn't he, even from a pure politics perspective, let alone the policy, is he, he embracing this? He will. I mean, we've had, as I mentioned, I've had conversations with uh, his team. Those are ongoing connections. Uh, I, I truly think the, admin, the uh, Biden administration would be very favorable, um, and I think he will be more outspoken in the course of a campaign. I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> this is so bizarre, uh, uh, but I, I, am, I am confident the point has been made. I'm confident they'll do it. Um, and even more important, I think it's going to play a key role in elections uh, for the Senate and the House. That's what I'm worried about. And I want to make sure that uh, that we're able to deliver. And I think we're watching uh, the Democratic candidates embrace this in a way that uh, continues to make me smile. I think it's going to make a difference in their efforts to control the Senate. Uh, it'll strengthen our role in the House. But more important, the, the politics should feed the policy that's good for the American public. We desperately need to end the failed prohibition of cannabis. We need to embrace the research. We need to end the war on drugs, period. I mean, it's, it's, the whole thing is absurd. You get no quarrel from me. And that's another uh, byproduct of this cannabinoid, mm-hmm. uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, coronavirus crisis. We're finding out that there are lots of people in jail for nonviolent drug offenses, Mm -hmm. some for very long sentences that didn't need to be there. Life. You have life. It's absurd. We're watching people leave jails and prisons, not not as many as, as we could, but it's a change in the mindset. And I think that's going to continue in the months ahead. This is all part of this reset that is going to make such a difference, and cannabis is at the heart of it. Do you think we can retake the Senate? Yes. I like that answer. That was the best answer we've ever had to any question. (laughs) Um, You know, absolutely. I mean, you go through the list. I mean— Look, Amy McGrath is is neck and neck with Mitch McConnell in in, um, Kentucky. It, that had elected a Democratic governor. Uh, there's uh, opportunities in Maine. I think Susan Collins is in trouble. Uh, in Colorado, it looks Corey like Gardner can, uh, against Gardner is well ahead. In Arizona, uh, McSally has been uh, out campaigned, uh, out polled, and out fundraised by Mark Kelly, uh, the husband of Good my guy. Dear former colleague Gabby Giffords, uh, Tillis in North Carolina. Uh, you, you go down the list. Uh, my favorite is in Kansas. I actually ended up campaigning in Kansas for two Democrats in the fall of 2018. And if you would have told me at the spring of 2018, I would be doing that in the home stretch. I, I, I wouldn't have believed it. But 
it happened. And one of them actually won, who is very uh, favorable to uh, legalization. Um, and there's a person there who lost the campaign for governor, uh, Kobach, who's a, really a loose cannon, a very destructive person, uh, anti-immigrant, uh, just uh, voter suppression. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the front runner currently to win the Republican nomination uh, for Senate. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on. Montana. Um, so, yes, the Senate is definitely in play. Congressman, we want to be respectful of your time. You've been very generous. Um, I have one last question, which is um, we've seen a lot of states have their ballot initiatives die because of COVID, because you can't go and collect signatures. Um, do you Are you worried about the election from a functional perspective in November? And what can we, what can you do? And then also what can we do to help, you know, like Anne is in California, I'm in New Jersey, we're in blue states, but what can we do to help ensure there's election security in other states? Well, uh, In the very first bill that the House passed last year, uh, dealing with the protection of the democracy, there were some provisions that I was able to get in that bill that dealt with vote by mail. Uh, Oregon has been conducting all its elections since 1996 by mail. There's never been a problem with hanging Chad. Uh, (laughs) It's very high participation and voter security. And of course, there's a paper trail when you're done. Um, We are fighting hard to give more resources to the states for vote by mail. Uh, It's something that uh, voters want desperately. Uh, The Republicans are kind of incoherent. Uh, Donald Trump cast an absentee ballot uh, in Florida, uh, but he's against vote by mail. Absentee ballots are okay, not vote by mail. Um, well, because he, he it's the I do the fraud exception. and you don't. Yeah. He's the exception to everything, masks included. But, there's, but this is a concern. Uh, we have money that we will be proposing for election security. Uh, at a time of uh, coronavirus, when you have about half of the people who are poll workers our retirement age Mm -hmm. or beyond, um, it's not healthy for them, Uh, it's expensive, and it's dangerous. Uh, So we're, uh, these are things that I am concerned about, but we're working to uh, fight to encourage uh, voting at home because it's safer, uh, because it's cheaper, and because it's more secure. Amen. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, the next time we get you on, I do want to ask you about psychedelics, um, but you know, we want to be respectful of your time now. Okay. Well, give us something to look forward to. Thanks for your attention uh, to the nuts and bolts of this issue. I enjoy these conversations, and I think it's important for people to understand how the pieces fit together, and uh, you do a great job of helping make that clear. Thank you very thank much, Thank you sir. so much. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Same to you. Thank you. Take care.
Our immense thanks to Congressman Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, um, a veteran of the Green Rush. Uh, for more on the congressman, head over to earlblumenauer.com, or he can be found on Twitter at Rep Blumenauer, B-L-U-M-E-N-A-U-E-R. If you want to chat with us, you can find us on Instagram at the Green Rush pod underscore podcast or on Twitter at the underscore Green Rush. God forbid we make it easy for you guys. Uh, or drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com. Ask about our merch and don't forget to subscribe. That's take, take 40. Oh, and we have a YouTube channel, but we also can't figure out a good name for it. So uh, just go to the bottom in the show notes and you'll find it there. Bye. That's 47 Take Shay. 47. Cannabis! Cannabis!